Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused. September 29th. 1978 was a suffocatingly hot day in Berkeley, California, where Mary Vincent, a 15-year-old dancer, stood, trying to hitch a ride to her grandfather's house in Corona, California. Mary was getting tired of standing in the heat and just wanted to find a ride. Then, a van pulled up, driven by an older man in overalls. He looked like a friendly, trustworthy father type, so Mary, who was exhausted from standing in the heat, accepted the ride even after two other hitchhikers with her told her they had a funny feeling about this guy and she probably shouldn't go with him. But she was an experienced hitchhiker and felt confident in herself. This ride wouldn't go quite the way she had hoped. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And this week we are covering a case that was suggested to us by one of our listeners on Instagram a while back. But I'm really sorry, I could not find the comment or message that it was in. I just have a faint memory of it, and the story is amazing and crazy. So please, if you are the one that suggested that we cover Mary Vincent, please reach out to us and let us know so we can thank you. Just an incredible story of a survivor, and it's been covered by a couple of our other favorite podcasts, True Crime Island and Red Handed, which they're both awesome, but we're going to be giving the voice of the victim take on it. So, Rosie, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I just had some scrambled eggs. Yeah, that looked pretty good. Feeling feeling ready. Awesome. Our friends have chickens, so we uh, benefited from that the other day. Oh, yeah. We're having a nice partly sunny day in Minnesota. It's currently Sunday, so we're in a much more relaxed state than when we record on Monday. Shh, don't tell them that. It's Thursday. <laughs> right. I guess I've been posting the episodes Wednesday nights lately. Hmm. Anyway, Rosie, are you ready to jump into Mary Vincent? Yeah. Might or, as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's get into it. Well, Mary was born in 1963 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Her parents both worked for the gambling trade. Her mother, Lucy, was a dealer at a casino, and her father, Herb, was a poker machine maintenance man. Her parents actually had seven kids total, so they had a lot of responsibility on their hands, and Mary was right smack dab in the middle of all the children. Mary was a bit of a free spirit and a wild child. She liked to make herself... <laughs> when you laugh Sounds like it. you. <laughs> Aw, thanks. She liked to make herself up to look pretty, and sometimes she'd play hooky from school without telling her parents. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Why do uh, a lot of our victims kind of sound like you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's scary. No. Um, but people described uh, Mary as dangerously naive and looking for ways to rebel. Mm. 
which, you know, but as, as a child, I was the opposite. So she sounds like a pretty cool kid to me, um, which reminds me, she was also a really good dancer and her dance instructor apparently had so much faith in her and Mary's talents that they arranged a bunch of future work for her. Yeah, I mean, being in L or not L.A. in Las Vegas, she could probably just like, yeah, dance there. Uh huh. Hmm. And both of her parents worked in the stuff. Gambling trade. Yeah, gambling <laughs> trade. Right. If that's what it's called. <laughs> Mary said her dance instructor had it lined up for her to be a lead dancer for the Lido de Paris Cabaret Show in Las Vegas. Then tour with them to Hawaii and Australia. Cool. Yeah, I guess it's, it it was based on the actual Lido de Paris, Paris Cabaret, <laughs> and Dinner Theater in Paris. But I don't think it's open anymore, or that it's still a thing. But that'd be pretty cool, though. And I'd imagine that gambling was a huge part of the economy in Las Vegas back in the seventies. It actually looks like. Um, it's kind of decreasing these days in Las Vegas and being replaced more by just general tourism and like hosting conventions and stuff. As people are getting a little smarter with their money, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, the point is that Mary had a bright future ahead of her and she was really good on her feet. One day, Mary seemed to have been in trouble with her father for some reason. And her sister warned her that he was on his way home. He also had a migraine headache that day. And I remember getting in trouble and waiting for my dad to come home, dreading that disappointed Would you talk. hear, just wait till your father gets home. Yeah, exactly. Those are terrible words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're dreading that punishment. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I'm older, thinking of having a migraine and being upset with my kid also sounds awful. So <laughs> it's just not a good situation. No. Mary really didn't want to face her father. She had so much of a fear of facing him that day that she decided to run away from home and go live with her boyfriend. So he lived in Sausalito, California. And yeah, I intentionally put that name in my part of the outline. Thanks. <laughs> but there was a catch to living with her boyfriend. He didn't have a place for them to live. How old is she? Is 15. This? Oh, that's right. Okay. To run away just because your dad's mad at you. Well, I guess maybe I would have done nope. the same thing. Well, there could have been more to their family situation than we know of. That's a good point. Because to run away just based on that. Right. must have been some kind of fear there. Mm -hmm. But again, she was a teenager, so you never know. Yeah. Mary and her boyfriend would go around looking for unlocked cars to sleep in for the night. And if they couldn't find one, then they'd sleep behind dumpsters. Yikes. Yuck. Yeah, it sounds really rough. Like I wonder, like you were saying, if her home life was pretty terrible, like was it worse than sleeping behind a dumpster? I really hope not. But like I said, there are no details about her home life that I could find. And it turns out that her boyfriend was kind of a pile of garbage himself. Mm. He was arrested after being accused of raping a high school girl. After this happened, Mary got away from this loser and stayed with her uncle for a bit in Soquel, California. But after staying there for a while, she decided she wanted to go stay with her grandfather in Corona, California. The only option she really had to get there was by hitchhiking. So way back, probably almost a year ago, when we talked about Colleen Stan, 
we talked about how in the 70s hitchhiking was more acceptable um, before the internet people just weren't as connected and hyper aware of all the dangers in this world like hitchhiking with a stranger so the idea of a friendly ride going bad just wasn't as common so that said we can't really fault mary for choosing to hitchhike she apparently used that method to get around a lot mm-hmm. yeah i think that's important to say too ryan because when i think of hitchhiking i think of dying uh-huh <laughs> yeah back then it was it was just normal it's what you did yeah nowadays because of stories like these we people most people know don't hitchhike especially a young girl but you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't think anyone should hitchhike unless they're super desperate yeah or trying to escape someone that's more dangerous <laughs> true yeah. well this led to mary having a fair amount of confidence to be able to take her take care of herself so that brings us back to september 29th 1978 the day that she was waiting in the sweltering sun of Berkeley to find a ride to Corona. Now, for our international listeners, yes, these are both in the state of California, Berkeley and Corona, but California is huge. Like, for reference, Berkeley is part of San Francisco, and Corona is part of Los Angeles. And from Berkeley to Corona is between a seven to eight hour drive, depending on the traffic you hit in L.A., which... In L.A. is always guaranteed to slow you down and piss you off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) says the man who drives when we're in California, because I don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mary stood on the corner with two other hitchhikers when a blue van pulled up. A balding older man in blue overalls got out of the van, and he appeared to be about in his 50s. Also, he was a heavier gentleman, Sporting a dad bod gut, also known as a beer gut. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) The man told the hitchhikers that he only had room for one person, and then he offered the ride to Mary. So the other people that Mary was standing with were looking at the van like, what the heck? He has plenty of room for all three of them. Mm -hmm. The van was empty, so they were pretty skeptical of this guy. Yeah, that right there seems like a red flag, doesn't it? Yeah, you would hope so. They told her it was probably not a good idea to take this ride, but she was exhausted from standing in the hot sun and just wanted to get started on the eight-hour journey that she had ahead of her. Yeah, and also she looked at this fat old grandpa and thought that if she needed to, she could take him on. (laughs) I mean, but seriously, who would suspect a grandpa in overalls, you know? Like, in the worst-case scenario, she would probably be able to outrun this old bump. Old bump. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Mary got in his van, and they hit the road. But once she was in the car, he told her he was actually on his way to Reno, but was happy to take her down to L.A. Now, we want to be clear. We're not, not, you know, shaming her for taking this ride because she didn't know any better. But we have a couple red flags so far. First off, he said he only had room for one when his van was clearly empty, but now he's saying he's happy to go 16 hours round trip out of his way to accommodate a hitchhiker. You know, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And that's true. There are some decent people out there, like the people that helped Elizabeth Smart. But if a dude's willing to go way out of his way, pretty much an entire day of driving out of his way 
just to give you a ride, he probably has ulterior motives. Like, I wanted to lay out this map for you just so you understand. Berkeley is by San Francisco, like we said, which is on the coast of Northern California. Corona is by LA, which is eight hours south of that, about an hour from the coast. But Reno is like three and a half hours northeast of Berkeley. So to take her to her destination, then drive to his destination, that's at least 19 hours of solid driving. Not to mention bathroom stops, gas stops, and traffic. That's sketchy. Yeah. But back to the car ride. Mary was trying to play it cool and stay calm. She kicked back and she let up a cigarette. While she was puffing it, though, she had to sneeze. And when she did, the man put his hand on the back of her neck and started pulling her toward him, telling her that he was checking to see if she was sick. What the heck is that all about? That is sketchy, my friend. Yeah. First of all, a 15-year-old girl being alone in a car with a strange adult man is already weird. But for him to touch her and pull her towards him like that? Not cool, man. No. But Mary pulled away from him and scooted as close to her door as possible to get out of his reach. She was pretty pissed off at this point, but she was still pretty confident that if she needed to, she could get away from this old fat guy. But at the same time, it's almost like, you know, she's stuck in his car. All she can really do is make the best of it and hope that it doesn't go sour. Because at this point, it's kind of too late to turn back, you know? Right. And also, she was exhausted standing in the heat and probably wasn't thinking as clearly as, you know, us sitting in our air-conditioned room would Mm -hmm. be, you know? After this, the man told Mary that he needed to stop at his house quick and pick up some clothes and asked if she could help him carry it to the van. Yeah. And I'm like, why do you need so much luggage that you can't carry it yourself? Don't you have a bag? (laughs) Yeah. Or a suitcase or something? Like, are you carrying it all just loose? Just Mm -hmm. a bunch of loose shirts and pants or what? Well, she said that was fine. But then, as the ride went on, she noticed he was drinking from a plastic gallon milk jug filled with booze. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is not good. Yeah. But she was too exhausted to worry about it, and she drifted to sleep. She awoke a bit later and noticed that he hadn't gotten on the I-5 south towards Corona, but instead they were heading east towards Nevada. Yeah, and at this point, again, she got really angry. She felt around for uh, around her seat for something to threaten him with, and there happened to be a stick lying beside her seat, so she told him to turn around, pointing the stick at him. Oh, man. He apologized and said he made a mistake. Then he slowed down and turned around. Yeah, he actually said, I'm just an honest man who made a mistake. I'm not going to hurt you. But why would he even mention hurting her? You know, like, if I was giving a stranger a ride and I accidentally miss a turn or something, I wouldn't say, whoopsie, I missed that turn. But no worries, I'm not going to hurt you. Like... Unless hurting someone's actually on your mind, you're not going to make that leap in your head, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of red flags, but she's only 15. Yeah, exactly. And it was a lot more of a trusting time back then. Yeah, I guess from our perspective, we can't really understand what the, you know, zeitgeist Mm -hmm. was back then. Right. So now, as the sun was going down, they were finally on their way to Corona. 
but then the man said he needed to pee and was going to find a spot that was more secluded to relieve himself without drawing any attention. Yeah, another red flag. Just stop at a restroom, man. You don't need to drive into the woods to pee when you're on the freeway. Yeah. No, you do not need to do that. Well, he got off the interstate and pulled off onto a small, quiet, and secluded road. He got out and walked away from the car to pee. So at this point, Mary also got out of the car to stretch, and admittedly, she was a bit suspicious of this man. Um, But she still wasn't sure about him and his intentions. And then she noticed her shoes were untied. Mary thought to herself that if she did need to run, it would be a lot easier with her shoes tied. So she bent over and started lacing them up. So, this is where the story gets dark. Um, Listener discretion is advised, especially if you may be triggered by violence or sexual assault. So... This is our warning here, a second warning besides our regular trigger warning. It's going to get really disturbing. As Mary was bent over tying her shoes, she got bashed in the back of the head with something heavy and hard. Yeah, the man had whacked her with a sledgehammer. Oh my gosh. And it caused her to lose consciousness for a bit. That would be such a nightmare the moment you realize you're being attacked. But, Sally, this is just the start. What are sledgehammers usually used for? Let me check. Sledgehammer. Okay, well, it's a big old hammer that's weighted. It's a tool with a large, flat, often metal head attached to a long handle. The handle, combined with a heavy head, allows the sledgehammer to gather momentum during a swing and apply large force compared to hammers designed to drive nails. So it's basically made to make the swing as brutal as possible if Got you it. Know, we're talking about how it was used here. Okay, so it's just, it's like a way more powerful yeah. hammer. Yeah, it gathers momentum and force as you swing it. Uh, well, this man whacked her again with a sledgehammer. Then he dragged her over to the van, threw her into the back seat, and threatened to kill her if she screamed. Can you imagine what was running through her mind at this point? That it's too late for her to get away, that she's been defeated, maybe wishing she had just stayed home and not run away, or that she'd listened to the other hitchhikers. It must have been such a devastating moment for her. And like I said, we're not faulting her for the decision she made. She was a young, naive 15-year-old girl, and she was taken advantage of by this 51-year-old man. And this sledgehammer must have done a decent amount of ma- of damage if it yeah. hit her twice. Yeah. Like, was she even be able to scream? I mean, she's... No, it, it she was in and out of consciousness okay. during this because it is. It's a massive amount of force. Mm-hmm. It's weighted and it's got a long handle. Ugh. Once she was in the car, he stripped her naked and tied her hands behind her back. He took his own clothes off, and then he raped her. She um, was gaining consciousness again, and she asked him why he was doing it, but he ignored her, just completely disregarded her, and she begged for him to let her go. She promised she wouldn't tell anyone, but all he said was, you're going to be my good little girl. That's disgusting. According to her, he spoke to her as if she was one of his kids. It's... Ugh. Disgusting. 
After he raped her, he got back into the driver's seat, still naked, and started driving. He forced her to down an entire cup of booze and threatened to kill her if she didn't. Then he stopped the car and raped her again. Yeah. So at this point, it was the middle of the night, and they were in the middle of nowhere. And so Mary felt completely helpless. There was nothing she could do to escape this man or get the attention of anyone else. After raping Mary several times, he fell asleep. She was bloody from being hit over the head and still bound up. So there was nothing she could possibly do besides wait for him to wake up. I can't even imagine how frustrating this would be. And just an utter sense of terror, having no idea if you're going to get away alive from this. She just laid there all night in a panic while this fat pile of walking garbage had a night of restful sleep. When the sun started to rise, the man woke up. He cut her hands free, but she was still naked. He told her to get out of the van and lie down on the edge of the road. And as she laid there, he pulled a freaking axe out of his van and started walking towards her. Oh my gosh. He grabbed her left hand and yelled at her, You want to be free? I'll set you free. Now, we want to warn you again, this part is extremely disturbing and graphic. Yeah, it's a really uneasy and disturbing attack to talk about, but we need to describe it to fully understand what this poor woman had to endure as she was being brutalized. The man held her left hand as he raised his axe and brought it down on her left arm. He completely cut her forearm off, just below the elbow. This shocked Mary, and she kicked and screamed, desperately trying to fight him off. She used her right arm to grab his left arm. He sc- she squeezed him as tight as she could, trying to keep him away. Yeah, this poor woman just lost an arm, and now she's trying to fight off this man who has two arms and is also armed with an axe. At this point, she has no chance. The man then did the same to her right arm. After that, he staggered back, flicking at his arm, trying to get her severed right arm to release from him. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Oh, this man is such a coward. He's probably here flicking at his arm all grossed out like, Ew, get it off me. While this poor Mary is trying to process what just happened to her, She could actually still feel the sensation of gripping on his arm after hers had been severed. Like, it had to be such a strange and terrifying sensation and just shocking and confusing. Mm -hmm. Then the pain set in and she began to feel the burning sensation of her blood running out of her body. (sighs) I don't think I've ever hated one of the perps we've discussed so much, especially considering what he did next. Mary went limp because of all the pain and the man figured that she would be dead soon because of all the blood loss. So he dragged her to the edge of a cliff and threw her over the side. Wow. This was a 30-foot drop. That's like getting thrown off the roof of a three-story building. Even with all your limbs intact, that could kill you. But this monster didn't even stop there. He walked down the cliff to where Mary had landed and dragged her limp body over to a nearby concrete water pipe. He shoved her inside and said, Okay, now you're free. Then he walked back up the cliff to his car and drove off. He stopped at a nearby bridge and threw Mary's arms into a river, figuring that if her course was ever found, they wouldn't be able to identify her without her fingerprints. Um, hello? 
Have you ever heard of dental records? I even looked this up. People have been identified by dental records as far back as the 12th century in India. So he's not only a monster, but also a total dipwad. But just let that sink in. Mary has just been raped several times, left in a car to stew in her trauma all night, then wickedly brutalized and dismembered, thrown off a 30-foot cliff, which broke four of her ribs, and shoved into a dirty, muddy concrete water pipe. Not to mention she had lost a ton of blood and was completely naked and totally out in the middle of nowhere. Any one of those things could cause a person to just crumble. But she was strong and resilient. This is insane. Like, you know, I'm picturing everything in my head as we talk about it, and I can't believe she didn't die. I, I just, know. I cannot believe that she, I mean, at this point, it's like she had to survive this. Uh-huh. She had to live through this without arms, being thrown off a cliff, shoved. Like, this is just the worst movie like you know what i mean this yeah. sounds like the worst horror movie ever made in humanity i know so, this happened to a girl all alone 15 15 years old so spoiler alert she's not well she didn't die from this oops sorry no that's all right we're just Good about time. to get into it but uh. yeah like you said this is unimaginable because it's so much, so much hatred from this man. And he wasn't even tough enough to finish the job, you know? Like, complete psychopath. He forced her to suffer. Yeah. But he obviously meant to murder her. And then for him to say, okay, now you're free. What kind of absolute demonic psychopath? I know. Wow. Well, at this point, Mary recalls hearing a voice in her head telling her that she couldn't give in to her exhaustion. She couldn't fall asleep. She knew if she did that she would die. But she had to survive to make sure this guy was caught so he could never do anything like this to another person again. Mary was still losing blood and knew she had to stop the bleeding or she wouldn't survive. She actually rubbed her newly bloodied arm stumps into some dirt. To make mud. So, oh, this is like making me want to gag so bad. Uh, So that she could help stop the bleeding. Then she was able to crawl her way out of the pipe. Yeah. Wouldn't that be extremely painful in itself? Yeah. But, I mean, ugh, can't even imagine it. But Mary was smart enough to think of using the mud to stop the bleeding, even after all the trauma she just suffered. Just shows what a survivor she is. And then she was able to get up onto her feet. She was still completely naked, and she had to walk with her arms over her head to keep from losing any more blood. And this part is really disturbing, so jump ahead a bit if you're squeamish like I am. Like, it's even worse than what we just said. Honestly, thinking about this next part makes me feel faint and dizzy, but she had to hold her arms above her head to keep her muscles from sliding out. Oh, wow. And when I was writing this part of the outline, I was seriously getting lightheaded and patchy black spot vision like I was going to pass out, just thinking about what she had to actually live through, which makes me feel like a total wimp. Oh, you are. That's why we're talking about her and not me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
Uh, Mary could hear traffic in the distance, and she made her way to a nearby road. This was not easy for her. She had to climb up the 30-foot cliff naked and without using her arms, but she made it. And after all that, she walked up the road, completely naked, with her arms over her head. Finally, she saw a convertible Corvette with two men inside coming toward her. She waved her severed arms over her head and screamed for them to stop and come help her. So, there's some hope on the horizon here. Thankfully, someone showed up right away. Right. But, the car came to a screeching halt and turned around, then sped away from Mary. How could you do that? I know. Can you even imagine the heartbreak and disappointment she would have experienced at that moment? After everything she had just endured and after everything she had done to get to this point of even a slim hope of survival and some douchebags on a joyride in their fancy car are too scared to help this poor little girl. I mean, what a waste of space. I understand that it would be shocking and scary to see this. Obviously, another human needs help, and she's dying, and these two flower petals can't even get over themselves long enough to help her out. So Mary had to continue trudging on in the increasing heat. She hadn't had food or water in several hours, and she had suffered so much trauma and lost so much blood. Yeah, like I've said before, I can barely make it an hour without water in the nicest of living conditions. I really don't think I'd have the strength to make through a tenth of the things she endured here. And after these two morons completely deserted her, she was probably starting to lose hope as she staggered, exhausted, toward the traffic noise. Finally, an old truck pulled up to her, with a young couple inside. They were on their way to their honeymoon. They ran up to her and wrapped her up, helped her get into the car, and called for help as they sped toward the hospital. A helicopter met up with them and airlifted her to the hospital. Yeah, so we see such a contrast between these people that stopped to help her and the narcissistic people that drove off. Like This couple was on their honeymoon. They mm-hmm. were supposed to be having a great, happy time. They probably had fun stuff planned, but they saw a fellow person in need, and all their own plans went to the back burner to take care of her. It's just such a great example for all of us to think about. And... I know I'm being harsh on the Corvette people, kind of, but, man, it is, it is, you know, cold to do that. But <laughs> at least, say the least. <laughs> yeah, at least we have a good example of a bad example in them, I guess. But, yeah, big contrast there. Right. Ugh, the muscle part? I know. That That's really, I didn't think of that until you said it, and it's just like, Wow. That's disgusting, man. I know. (sighs) Okay. Mary was treated at the hospital, and once she was stable, a police sketch artist talked to her. She was able to provide so much detail to the sketch artist that when they put the sketch up on the news, the neighbor of the attacker recognized it and called the police to let them know who it was. Lawrence or Larry Singleton. Hmm. So we're going to go into a little bit of background about who Larry Singleton was. Lawrence Singleton was born on July 28, 1927 in Tampa, Florida. He dropped out of school at 16 and got a job working on the railroad, but he only kept it for a few weeks before going to work on a shipyard. After about a year there, he went to Maritime School, 
and by age 17, he was sailing in the Merchant Marine. Which seems really young to be starting a job like that, but it was a different time. I just wonder if dropping out of school and working so young impacted his social development and the way he saw the world, you know? He may have been pretty dang proud of himself for accomplishing all this so young. Yeah, but, I mean, he was born in 1927. That's kind of what they did in the 30s and 40s, wasn't it? I don't know. Talk to my grandma about that. Yeah. <laughs> in 1950, when he was 23 years old, he was drafted to go help defend South Korea from the invasion of North Korea. He was honorably discharged in 1952 and returned to the Merchant Marine School to train as an officer. Which, that seems really freaking scary, being part of a fight between two foreign countries. Yeah. I wonder how much action he saw and how much it may have impacted his psyche, you know? Mm-hmm. In 1958, he married a woman named Shirley. In 1963, they had a daughter who they named Deborah Ann. So, 1963, does that year ring a bell? That's the same year Mary Vincent was born. So this dirt dirtbag sexually assaulted and mutilated and tread murder a girl who was the same age as his own daughter. How could someone with a 15-year-old daughter do this to another 15-year-old girl? It's just mind-boggling. Although I guess with the stories we talk about in here of parents doing stuff to their own children, it's not that surprising anymore. Sadly, Larry's wife Shirley died in 1977 the year before the assault. He actually attempted suicide that year by sitting in his running van with the exhaust running into the van. His neighbor actually rescued him before he could take his life. Yeah. So think about Deborah, the the daughter he had. Um, she lost her mom at age 14, and then at age 15, her dad um, tries to commit suicide, and then he does this unimaginably horrible thing. And... So she's lost both parents within a year. And I also wonder if he did anything to her. Mm -hmm. No, we'll talk about what we know about her relationship with her father next week, but it's not far-fetched to think he may have abused his own daughter, especially when you think of what he said to Mary as he raped her, you know, that she was going to be his good little girl. But either way, he had to be a difficult guy to live with during this time. Yeah, I can't imagine Deborah Ann's childhood being all sunshine and roses. No, especially after her mom died. Mm -hmm. So, remember how Mary wanted to be a great dancer and how she was super good on her feet? Well, they ended up having to remove parts of her leg just to save her right arm and make it somewhat functional. So, she lost a lot of the control she had over her legs, which is so sad. This piece of trash took everything from her. But, I mean, Mary's still a beautiful woman. She's got those big Paul McCartney-looking eyes. That's what it reminds me of. But she just has this broken, traumatized look of defeat. And it's understandable based on the way she was treated after the crime. So next week, we'll talk about the things Mary has had to deal with because of this vicious crime and the injustice between the way she was treated and the way her attacker was treated. Yeah, he went on, went on to cause even more trouble in the future. So be sure to tune in for part two next week. Yeah, so what do you think so far? 
this was probably the most gruesome case we've talked about because yeah, never in my head bloodiest. have I been able to like movie screen it and see what's going on and be so I know squeamish. The details like, are very. I mean, you guys, you did. You, you, <laughs> I can't even talk. Like, did you think about the muscle thing? Because I wasn't thinking about having to worry about your insides falling out of your self. You know what I mean? Like Ugh, stuff like that. Just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I could have made it. She's strong. She's really strong. I know. I would. I don't think I would have either. Just because she didn't know where she was either. She just, she heard traffic Mm -hmm. in the distance, but she didn't know she'd even be able to make it up the cliff that she she was thrown off of. I know. So much that she had to deal with. No cell phone. Well, I guess that probably wouldn't have helped her at this point. Because there's no cell towers? Because she doesn't have arms. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking if you... Yeah, even if she me. got to a phone booth, she wouldn't be able to... I mean, she probably would have gone away. True. But if you would drive me out an hour away from our house right now and took my cell phone away, I'd probably be done for. Oh. So, I mean... <laughs> it's true. The odds are not in my favor for the situation. And she was only 15. What are you now, 24? Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. And I just turned 28 yesterday. Yep. Oh, man. He's not too thrilled, guys. Um, He's not too thrilled. I still feel like I just graduated high school. But anyway. Yeah. What am I whining about? Yeah, That's, get out of here. I sound you like such arms. a baby right now <laughs> complaining do. about being 28. <sighs> um, yeah. This, this is one of those cases that really puts life into perspective because... Like, it wasn't like she died and it was all over. She had to live with this for the rest of her life and have this constant reminder about this guy, what he had done to her, and what we'll talk about next week. It was not easy for her to deal with even after it was all over. And not just because of her new disabilities, but because of the way everyone around her reacted to it and the way her abuser or her attempted murderer was treating was being treated by everyone else too so be sure to tune in for that um but now we will wrap it up and jump over to our review portion of the show oh yeah try to lighten up the mood after all that so um do you want to read this Review? Yeah. Is this a new one? Yes. Yeah, this one. From Catwoman or Crazy Cat Lady. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's titled, I Love This Podcast. Rosie and Ryan are amazing and relatable. I feel like I'm sitting and talking with good friends when I listen to this podcast. I love that. I do, too. I think what stands out for me the most is their empathy for the victims. So many true crime podcasts get caught up in the gory details or with the perpetrators. It restores my faith in humanity. <laughs> oh, listening to R&R talk about and care about the victims. We, I, I feel bad now because we did talk and about a lot of really gory, gory details. Well, but those are so, you know, they're <laughs> such a huge part of this story. 
I also like the gentle reminders of see something, say something. And Ryan, I do agree that Gypsy served 23 years in prison before the murder of her mother or before the murder of her mother ever happened. Thank you both so much for a great podcast. Well, thank you so much, Catwoman or Crazy Cat Lady. Via Apple Podcast, <laughs> United States of America. Yeah. Um, that was five stars, by the way. Well, I, I kind of like figured that we were... That everybody knew that. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because we're just so great? No, because that's <laughs> what we're going to promote. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. And, like, especially the see something, say something, what I was thinking of is those idiots in the Corvette that didn't do anything to help this 15-year-old girl with no arms that's obviously in trouble. Like, seriously. I like that she said it's like sitting with good friends and having a chat. Because that's what we kind of want this to be like. Yeah. We want to be in your living room with you. I mean... But not in a weird way. Yeah, that's what we kind (laughs) of aim for. Because we're obviously not like this professionally produced, spotless, perfect podcast. um, Which I have massive respect for people that can do that. Because it takes a lot of time... Um, but we're just not that kind of podcast and we never will be. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, we're more of the, hey, let's see what our friends Ryan and Rosie are talking about this week kind of podcast. We're just a couple of dumb kids. Well, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a dumb old man. year old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um I, something popped into my head that I wanted to talk about, and then it went away because I'm getting old and losing my memory. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess so. Ah, oh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Oh, it was Tyler. Tyler. What the heck is Tyler from 21 Pilots' last name? Joseph. <laughs> Two first names. Tyler Joseph in um, the song Lane Boy, Mm -hmm. when he says, don't trust a song that's flawless. Don't trust a perfect person. Don't trust a podcast that is flawless. Yeah, but we're not going to say that because there's a lot of flawless podcasts out there that we really like. But (laughs) Why'd you bring it up? (laughs) Well, because that's what I live by. Okay. If you don't show your flaws, then can you really be trusted? No. Anyway... I am done talking (laughs) before I dig myself into a hole. So do you have any cat news you want to talk about this week, Rosie? Um, Well, just minor things. I didn't think anybody liked our cat news, but we've had a lot of people say that they appreciate us talking about kittens. Yeah, and we always save it towards the very end so people can stop listening if they don't want to hear it. I just feel like such a nerd when I talk about my kitties. But poor little Beto. It was... We had our window open like we do almost every night. And in the morning, he was like doing that little thing where they wiggle their butt and they're about to pounce. And he just he just went for it. And he smacked his head right in the screened window so hard. Full force. Well, there was a bird outside in the tree oh, that's outside our window. It was almost like a cartoon cat, like hitting, boing, and falling. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he landed on the ground and I he was so, so defeated. Bad. But then he, he got back up on the bed within like 10 seconds. I actually took a video of right after that of him and Queso right next to each other. Then I checked his face. 
Seemed like it was okay. Oh. Poor thing. And then we left to do our thing today and Well, let's came save back. that for the part two. Oh, little teaser. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. we'll tell you next week what happened when we got home. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you want to sign up for our Patreon, you can go right ahead. Oh, yeah, good idea. We should do the plugs. Um, you can sign up for a page. Well, why don't you do the plugs? You can sign up for Patreon on our Patreon account, VOV Podcast. Also, our Instagram page, VOV Podcast, and also our Facebook group, which is VOV Podcast. Voice of the Victim Podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> why are you so nervous to do the plugs? Because for some reason, I always forget. Because I usually do it. Yeah. Um, and you can email us at vovpodcast at gmail all the links will be in the show notes below. There we go. We gotta go record next week's episode now. Yeah. So, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week in about 30 seconds. Bye. <laughs>